Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to Sailing and Cruising, the East Coast of the United States podcast. I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Hey, Mike, before we dive into this episode, we need to say a special thank you to Paul, our newest Patreon supporter. Thank you for the support of the Sailing and Cruising the East podcast. It's much appreciated. If you also would like to support the podcast, it's easy via Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash sailing the east. The podcast is also now available on YouTube, uh, as well as your favorite podcasting applications. So for you YouTube fans, uh, just search for sailing the east and you can find it. And on more of the recent episodes, you will actually get to see Mike's and my smiling face as long as this, as well as the smiling faces of our guests. So on YouTube, the podcasts are actually video podcast. So thanks again for all of our listeners and to our supporters. Today's guest on the podcast is Shay Love. We had a great conversation about starting out in the sailing life. And now that she has several years into it, what she has learned along the way. She's also a very accomplished musician and just released a new set of songs. You can find out more about her by searching for say, excuse me, for searching for Shay Love Sailing. And the reason I put the sailing piece in there is Shay Love turns out to be a relatively common name uh, in sort of the social media world. So if you put in the sailing piece, uh, you'll uh, find her for sure. So I'm always amazed how you find these kind of multi-talented people to interview. Um, and there's so many people that are interesting in so many ways that I never even imagined. And and Shay is one of these people that I think was really uh, going to be fascinating. So it's a great find. I'm curious to hear more about her story. Let's give it a listen. Hi, Shay. How are you? Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Hey, I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. This is fun. So uh, looks like you're on your boat, uh, which I, I think is also your uh, domicile. Is that correct? Exactly. <laughs> Very nice. So where are you right now? I mean, besides on the boat, where's the boat? Uh, we just made it to Key West uh, last Thursday. So I guess it's been almost a week now. Um, yeah. So we we're now new in Key West and uh, uh -huh. loving it so far. Where, and where did you where were you prior to Key West? We were in Savannah, Georgia, which was also a cool place. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Savannah. That is a nice place. Cool. Yeah. So. Uh, Let's go back uh, to the beginning. So how did this uh, sort of uh, lust for traveling, uh, and in particular on a boat, uh, germinate? Um, so I've so I grew up in a military family. Both my parents are military. Uh, and so that meant that we traveled all the time. Every three years, if, you, if yeah. you're a military brat, you know what I mean, you move. And I actually liked it as a kid. A lot of people are on both sides of the coin. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. I really enjoyed it as a child. And I think it just kind of planted the seed for my adulthood. 
So as soon as I like barely even graduated high school, I, you know, already just jumped the gun and started traveling on my own. I moved to Hawaii and I just started moving around a bunch uh, to different locations a year here, six months there, so on and so on. And eventually I realized, so already at 18, I had this idea of the adventure of sailing in my head. Uh, I don't even know where I got it from. I can't tell you. I think it's just, everybody knows that it exists. And I think knowing that it exists was enough for me. I just knew it existed. And I knew that that would be super cool to do someday. And so, um, yeah, I guess when I, at a certain point throughout my travels, I always had that in the back of my mind. And I realized that if I wanted to continue to travel, but still care about the environment, because I've always, when I was in fifth grade, I said I was going to grow up and become an environmentalist. So Uh I've always cared about the environment and they were just such a big contradiction. And I kept justifying it because I do think travel is very valuable anyways. Um, So I kept trying to find different ways to make my travel less impactful on the environment. And I knew that it would lead to sailing. And that was my next goal was, well, I have to get a sailboat. because that's the only way to do it with the minimal, minimal impact that I want to create and to see things from a totally different perspective and to get that adventure that I love. So that's kind of where the dream planted or started. Wow, super. I, I know what you mean about different perspective. There, there are numerous places I've been to by car, and then I've also yeah. been there approached from a sailboat. And it's like a totally different perspective. It's, it's totally remarkable. Different. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and, and it's the same place, but it just, the feeling is different. The vibe is different. Everything's different. The, ex- the community, the experience, like everything that you run into is totally different, totally different. Yeah, yeah very nice. So when did the sailing adventure begin? Take us through that kind of the beginning of it. Okay. So right around when I was like, I, I'm going to get a sailboat, you know, while I'm doing this, it was part of my 10 year plan. When I was about 21, I put it in my 10 year plan because it's a lot of money and it's a lot of commitment. Yeah. It's a big thing. Um, so I decided, you know, everything, when you have a goal, you don't just, you know, there's steps to the goal. And I've always been aware of that. And so my first step was to start working on boats So I worked on a cruise ship as a vocalist because music is my other passion. And that was cool. I loved, obviously I loved the the boat aspect of it. I didn't so much love the environmental impact and the culture Mm. uh, of cruising. Like, I mean, not um, not sailing cruising, but cruising cruise ship cruising. Um, It's not really my thing. And I honestly uh, advocate against taking cruise ships. So realizing that after working on one, that it wasn't my thing, I was like, all right, that doesn't work. But at least I know that I can handle being out at sea for a month, six months at a time and not be and be totally happy and, you know, just seasickness. I can get over it. It it sucks, but, you know, I can deal with it. And so I knew that. And then I thought, okay, next step, move to the Virgin Islands and work on sailing boats, work on the type of boats that I want to get on someday. And then maybe I can find one and work on one and buy one, except, you know, who knows what opportunities are going to lie there in the Caribbean. So I thought, well, I'll move there. So I moved to the Caribbean and with that in mind, and I started trying to get uh, singing gigs on ships and, you know, different things like that. Uh, And actually what happened was, is I ended up becoming a roommate who with my now uh, husband <laughs> on a on a sailing boat to see what it would be like to live on a boat and obviously just to get further into 
that uh, that life. And he's yeah. obviously all about that life as well. So we were friends. Uh, I moved in uh, in the spare, uh, the aft cabin. And uh, after about six months of friendship, uh, I fell in love. And then I put the money that I was going to use to buy my own boat into, ref- you know, finishing this boat. So getting a new engine, um, a- a- new jib lines, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so uh, I had the boat and then we got married after uh, soon into later and the rest is history. <laughs> oh, wow. What a great story. That's cr- fabulous. Yeah. Thanks. So uh, w- when did that sort of transpire? How long ago was that? Um. Let me remember. Starts to all become a blur right around COVID. So I remember it wasn't okay. that 2019, right? 2019. Yes. I yeah. moved to the Caribbean and then COVID hit. And everybody kept making the joke of like, oh, you know, what a better place to be stuck. <laughs> so it was right. a cool place to be stuck, but being stuck is still being stuck. Everybody's careers were on hold. Everybody's dreams were on hold, including mine. But I guess I made small progresses throughout that. You know, we did. I moved on a boat and explored it for a while, uh, had a friend to hang out with, you know, and slow made slower progress, but still progress. But I think that's the reality for everybody throughout the COVID times. Great. Great. Tell us a little bit about the boat. Uh, It's a Bombay Explorer. Uh, It's 44 feet. Uh, It's a monohull. And it's, it's great. It's awesome. It's super, it's got a seven and a half half foot draft. So Mm -hmm. it's really awesome to take out at sea, uh, really difficult to take through the ICW, but that's okay. Cause the sea is faster and more, you see more. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. What, what year is it? What year is she? It's a 1978. Oh, okay. Great. And so it sounds like you did some work on it and a refit. So uh, take us through some of some of those things. Uh huh. So I think uh, the very first thing we did was. So when when we went to go make the major fixes, that was in Grenada. So the little things are hard to remember. They kind of all because there's always, <laughs> if you know, right. a boat because they're constantly yeah, right. always breaking. So it's like trying to backtrack and now but now i'm remembering so i think one of the very first things uh ryan does most of the repairs because that's his his career that's his thing he's really great at that um so the first thing was the fridge so i moved on the Mm. boat and there was no fridge it was a very different boat than it is now (laughs) there was no fridge and uh there was a lot of things that weren't working properly and so the very first thing there was a fridge but it wasn't usable anymore because somebody before us put pot tile a countertop over the fridge so there was no fridge anymore because it was under the counter (laughs) and it was no longer accessible so getting a new fridge uh so that was a big thing and uh we actually uh how much did you get that boat for ryan i mean that fridge for a hundred dollars that's what i thought i was gonna say so he got the fridge for a hundred dollars because it wasn't working but being so mechanically inclined he fixed the fridge and then installed it and then we uh so that was the very first thing and then a lot of other steps to make it more livable and more enjoyable and then the next big thing uh we didn't have a motor but we decided to go to Grenada anyways for the storm season uh so we well we had a motor but it was in shambles and it was not working properly and just the reality of many boat stories. So we went down to Grenada to do a haul out and to do all kinds of repairs. And that was a difficult sale because we lost wind for three days. And so if you 
have been at sea without a motor, you just bob around yep. <laughs> in one spot for for days <laughs> until yep. the winds come back, you know? And so then they finally come back and that was my, it was like, it's such an exhilarating feeling, just the ups and downs of a sailing voyage. When you like really take a big voyage, you know, sure. seven days yeah. at a time, the ups and downs can be so exhilarating. So we finally made it. And uh, the haul outs, again, the ups and downs of boat restorations, again, you got your super high exhilarating moments and your really low moments where you find it's not going to be as easy or as quick as you thought it was going to be. So uh, we got a new motor put in uh, during that, painted the bottom, uh, fixed a big chunk that got taken out um, from the anchor. Popped. I, I've heard this happening to other people as well. During a sail, the anchor had popped off and mm. took out a huge chunk at the bowsprit. And yeah. so we had to get that all repaired. Uh, so lots of repairs in Grenada and then finally got it back in the water. And again, that's one of those high moments. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Very nice. So uh, you you got on the boat in in the Bahamas, was it? In uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands. Oh, OK. St. Thomas. St. Thomas. So that's that's sort of where the sailing adventure started. Yes, exactly. Got it. And got first it. little little trips, you know, just uh, little day sails to St. Croix, St. John. And then like a, the first big one was three nights uh, or three, three days mm. and two nights. Uh, yeah. I think it was. And that was, you know, kind of around the U S Virgin islands, the British Virgin islands. And then finally we took that big one to go to Grenada to go get these repairs done. Yeah. So tell me about your first overnight experience sailing. Oh, Oh, good question. It was horrendous. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm telling the truth. Um, yeah. So it was literally about as bad as my first night on the cruise ship. First night on a boat period can be really rough. Even if you've been on a boat before, if you take a year off and you go back, it's yeah. square one again sometimes. So it was the worst, you know, seasickness, just, uh, you know, not, and, and also just, uh, so what happened was, is a lot of things, because this was the first big sale, there were things that we weren't aware that were problems. Right, right. So there was uh, water coming into the V-berth. And so our bed was soaked, like <laughs> a water bed. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I went to go to bed that night after being seasick all day, uh, still oh, seasick, gosh. obviously. And I went to bed on a soaking wet bed and it was one of my like top five worst nights sleep of my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did not sleep because, you know, the boat's moving and, and it's totally like really a different rock than a, than any, right. than a, than a power boat or a cruise ship or right. other boats, you know? And so the rocking, and then again, like I said, being soaking wet and then also feeling like I'm going to vomit at any second. <laughs> but then I woke up to this gorgeous sunrise in this, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uninhabited island. And yes. it was all worth it. it I, I'm being honest about that as well. That honestly, those moments made it worth it. I knew that the pros or the, the good outweighed the bad. So yeah. I, I take, take both sides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's a good story. I, I, I certainly cherish I, I, uh, the overnights because I find if I have a watch, it doesn't matter what time the watch is, if it's dark. Uh, I, I just love the stars and the scenery yeah. and the bioluminescence when you have that. It's just, there's exactly. something about sailing and being on the ocean at night that is totally different than being on the day. 
during the during the day. They're both spectacular, but they're spectacular in different ways. Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I like now, like I said, after once you start to get your sea legs in, you start to really appreciate those small moments. And you have to have a certain personality to live on a boat. And so living on, you know, and to sail, to sail and stuff. So I think I wrote a poem once that said, uh, sailing is slicing through a sea of boredom while thinking aloud endlessly. And it sounds so depressing. But for me, that was a happy poem because I really love the silence and the time to reflect and to think out loud and right. to watch the stars and to just not care and to meditate. I mean, it is meditative, you know, and it's like you said, very humbling and it's a peaceful and beautiful experience. So yeah. I agree. The nights are gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're one of my favorite times. Um, so what has been sort of the biggest challenge for you? Hmm. Patience. Mm. <laughs> I'm not a patient person. Uh, I can be patient with children sometimes, but I'm not patient. I hate to admit that, but that's one of my my um, bad side or bad qualities yeah. of my personality. So I've really had to battle with that bad quality or bad trait of mine. Um, it can be bad that I have very little patience. And so, so how, how does that manifest know, itself on on a on a passage? Uh, I, exactly. I get, uh, it's not so much on the passages that I don't have patience, although I feel it running short. It's mostly just the patience of realizing that boats are ever, they, they are slow. They take a lot of work. Um, when you thought something was going to be able to happen at this time of year, it's all of a sudden pushed back a whole year or two because everything is, and, and just, Finally, I guess accepting that and I'm still working on that because every time like I get, you know, this goal in mind or something, uh, there's a setback. And I think that's in different in many things, but especially boaters maybe can relate that there's those setbacks and just being patient and accepting the, that and accepting that things are constantly changing. And on a passage, you might have thought it was only going to take seven days and suddenly it's 10 days and you can't have a deadline or if you do have a deadline, just breathe. <laughs> and uh, let go of it and and cancel something if you need to but that's been really tough for me and I think it's a very good lesson because I think it's like I said it's one of my weak spots that I I think it's beautiful it's great that in my life I'm being forced to work on it <laughs> yeah yeah no that's a that's an excellent point in in that whatever however long you think someone's gonna something's gonna take it'll take longer whether that's a passage or whether it's fixing something or whether it's cooking dinner. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, we get accustomed to doing things at a certain pace in sort of our land life or our previous mm -hmm. lives. And then, you know, to get out of those habits takes a long period of time. It's not, it's not quick. Um, so yeah, that's totally a challenge. Agree. And yeah. being able to just, you know, just coordinating things and uh, in land life, you can, you know, it's so much more flexible, but like I said, that it's all worth it in the end. And it's beautiful to learn those lessons, but on a boat, it's not immediate and it's not all, you know, you have to be super flexible because it's, it's always going to take longer and be different. It's always going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. So what have, what has been some of the highlights for you of, of the th about three years now, probably close to it that you've been doing this like that. 
the 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 sales <laughs> um i you know like you said those beautiful moments the nights i love we talked about in the beginning i love being able to experience things i said from a perspective that really hardly anybody else gets like mm-hmm. literally from being out in the ocean ocean like being way out there and seeing and seeing whales you know or seeing nothing but just seeing nothing and seeing only blue for miles people talk about driving through kansas it's just like that you just see (laughs) blue only (laughs) for miles and i think that those experiences are just that's what i've always sought after in my life that's what started the love of travel is experiencing things that are gorgeous and humbling and crazy and uh things that other people don't really get to experience and uh yeah like just there's so many of those small moments you know like driving seeing an underwater volcano and having to navigate around that because you're like oh why can't we go over that oh i guess we might explode we couldn't do that you know things like that you'd never think about in regular land life you know and seeing things seeing and just having those moments uh, like there's a there's a trench uh, outside of Puerto Rico. And so just driving over the deepest areas of the ocean um, and to think about that, like, wow, I'm I'm above the deepest area in the ocean right now, you know, in the world or, or you know, that I think it might be. Is it the deepest or the second deepest? It's very deep, though. So those yes. moments for me are all my high points. And there's so many of them to name, but uh, I saw a sperm whale once. I'll never forget that. Um, and just the the blue, the the blood moon rising sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. over just eclipses and you happen to be sailing during an eclipse, you know, just things like that. I love those high moments. Yeah. So you were doing a lot of this during the whole COVID experience. Uh, and many parts of the Caribbean were locked down pretty tight. So travel was very yeah. restricted. Uh, what were some of those challenges like? Very difficult. Again, that was like one of those patience things because mm-hmm. uh, costs a lot to travel, and it's just a little frustrating and ridiculous. Uh, the costs, you know, because yeah. you just don't plan for things. So we went to Grenada, and all of a sudden, when we showed up, there was a new—I uh, don't want to call it a new regulation—where um, now it was going to cost five hundred U.S. dollars to get in because of all the fees that were adding up, and I was like even though the exchange rates like really uh you know a lot in our favor it still was expensive to yeah. pay for all the testing and then like hoping to be able to island hop on the way back but not being able to because either places were closed down completely or there were huge fees uh to get covid tests before you arrived and then upon arrival and then again two weeks into being there and then you have to pay for all of them because you're you're the one that wants to travel. And so right. I, I can understand it, but it, it's very difficult and frustrating. So a lot of that was um, just, you know, going around the U.S. Virgin Islands for the first year and then skipping islands. Uh, so I our plan, again, plans change when it comes to voting. It's, it's an outline. It's an idea. It's an mm-hmm. idea. <laughs> our idea is to head back to the Caribbean uh, from Key West uh, this winter, possibly an idea and see if we can't hit some of those islands that we did have to skip uh, during COVID if they've opened back up. So 
it was very frustrating to navigate that and always having to like research online and find the correct information, very difficult. So it'd be nice. It'll be very nice to go back without some of those headaches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, so your plan is to go back to the Caribbean. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have, do you have a, 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 a date in pencil circled on the calendar for departure? Not quite yet. Um, okay. So right now we were thinking, we have a, an idea of how long though. Uh, we, we have a wedding in March that we'd love to make it to. Uh, mm. One of my husband's, Ryan's friends, one of Ryan's friends uh, is getting married and a really, really good friend of his. And so we'd love to make it to that. It's in uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands where we all, you know, where it all started. So yes. we got to go back there and that'll be really really amazing to see all those people again because a lot of them knew what we were trying to do and i think it'll be a really cool and also for us to see some old friends that we haven't seen in so sure. long but yeah just to see people after after it all and to revisit what other people have accomplished as well as what we've accomplished um will be really cool to go back to where it all started yeah um yeah. and so that's our hope. Uh, and we're thinking again, the wedding's in March. So ideally leaving like end of February, uh, like two weeks so that we have a big window sure. to make it. And then right. if there's extra time, we could possibly stop at, um, at Cuba. We would love to go to Cuba, uh, and a couple of other islands on the way. So we'll see. Uh, but very, that's very the nice. idea. That's yeah. the idea. Second week of February, third week of February, somewhere around there. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. And uh, do you have uh, sort of an idea for hurricane season coming up? So you'll be in the Caribbean and then before you know it, June, June pops around. Hurricane is going to come around. Yeah. yeah. So again, our idea, this was our idea for last summer. So we really hope to do it this summer. Uh, it didn't end up panning out last summer. Uh, our idea for this summer is to make it up to New York or Boston, oh. New York, that yeah, kind yeah. of east, upper East Coast, northern East Coast area would be really cool this year. So um, last year we made it to Savannah and that was a crazy uh, sale because we got hit by a squall in the Bahamas um, and totally destroyed much of everything. So we didn't mm. end up making that goal last summer because of all the damage that the boat took and uh, having to fix all of that repairs and all that. So hopefully next summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well that's, uh, I'm, I'm up in, uh, up near Newport. So, uh, oh, nice. that's, that's where I'm at I've and that's, that's where my boat is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, uh, part of the East coast experience, the Northeast coast experience. <laughs> yeah. So, very nice. Yeah. It's great. Great sailing up here. The scenery's, you know, uh, extraordinary. And, and once you get sort of North of Boston, uh, it, it can get very rural very quickly. And, um, uh, you know, the, the sailing up in Maine and stuff is, is really fantastic. So, nice. Yeah. yeah. If you're, you're going to do that, I highly recommend it. Yeah. I definitely heard about it. We have some friends up in Maine as well that came from the Virgin Islands, well, from Maine, then to the Virgin Islands and back to Maine. And they've said, you know, brilliant things about it. Yeah. So yeah. I'd love to see it. <laughs> cool. So uh, I, I want to switch over to talk about your other career, kind of your mm -hmm your singer songwriter career. But before we do that, is there anything else on the sailing side that we should talk about or you want to mention? Um, no, I think, I think that's good. I think, uh, we pretty much captured the highs and lows, you know, squalls and repairs versus beautiful moons and adventurous <laughs> yeah. places, highs and lows. <laughs> so it's yeah. great. Yeah. And I think and that sums it up. The, 
the, the, it's interesting that the high, highs and lows can be sometimes separated by a few seconds. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I agree. Agree. <laughs> it's, it, it's not like a week of highs and then a week of lows. It can be yeah. that, but uh, it, sometimes it be- it's it's perfect right now. And two seconds later, it's like, Oh crap, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes the other way around. So I've had a, high, a low to high because we got hit by the squall, uh, which was terrifying. Uh, and then uh, I can't describe unless you've been there, uh, the feeling of finally seeing the coast, you know, that you've made it out of the squall and that everything's fine. I mean, everything's destroyed, but everything is fine. And the the land's right there and we're going to go anchor and figure things out. And seeing the land can be such a euphoria or seeing, you know, the end of a bad time can be honestly a huge high as well. Just like, wow, that was, it's all, you know, it's, it's finished, you know, or whatever. And also just it makes the experiences after even more valuable to you and more meaningful because it's like, wow, you know, wow. <laughs> it's over. So let's talk about that squall a little bit. Uh, take us through that experience a little. What happened, et cetera. So early, early, early in the morning, like 5 a.m., uh, I was sleeping because we do it in shifts. Uh, we take shifts of like most people. Um so four hours on because there's two of us. It's awesome when there's three of us, but right mm. now a lot of the times there's two of us. And so we have to do four hours on, four hours off. So I was sleeping. I get my guess is like five a around five a.m. It was still pretty dark, uh, like just the first light. And all of a sudden I heard Ryan calling me. He said, Savannah, Savannah. And then the next thing I heard, uh, so I was waking up because I did not think it was an emergency. I just was getting my coat on and gonna come upstairs and you know see what what was happening maybe it was my turn already even though you know and so (laughs) I was gonna come up and see what happened but all of a sudden I just heard these winds and this boom hit the boat and I I scrambled to get up in the to the cockpit and uh the boom had unintentionally jived all Mm. the way over to the port side and uh because the winds were just change direction you know they change it all of a sudden the wind is going in a different direction it's going 40 mile per hour you know and so it's 40 mile an hour winds about roughly and uh i i was terrified driving because uh, a lot of things require a lot of strength and so things like so what happened was is our jib ripped and it went into the water yeah. And it was oh, trailing under the boat. So Ryan, yeah. while I, I had to take the helm and he had to go and cut it off because uh, there was no, obviously uh, nothing else to do at that point. And right. uh, tried to, um, you know, reef the main or even just pull it down, but it got caught. It got stuck. One of the cars got stuck. So that got ripped as well. Not as badly though. It was repairable. Um, but yeah, just awful. And driving through that, you know, watching him and I just scared scared in general but uh every moment feels like an hour you know and and uh you just you've never seen the boat and and the winds behave that way and it's it can be really you feel so small yeah (laughs) really humbling and it's uh it's terrifying and so once finally things like you get a plan of action like all right it's ripped it's gone and you start to assess the situation and you know you've you've been driving and it's care it's terrifying because the boat heals over harder than ever before 
and you think you feel like you're going to capsize, even though you know that sailboats hardly ever do, but it's just, right. it's, it's so scary. So, and then you get it back and you get that, you get on the wheel and you, you got it back again. And now you're in control for a couple of minutes. And then all of a sudden the wind takes it again. And so finally though, like uh, when you get out of it all and when you get a plan of action, because you can't tell, we don't have radar. And so we can't tell which mm. direction the storm came from or is going. Yeah. Uh, we do now, but that was one of the upgrades. So then we did not have a radar and uh, yeah, we only just went by looking are there clouds? <laughs> right. So, right. um, yeah, that was a big lesson. Uh, getting a radar became very, very important to us after that. But yeah, we didn't know which way the storm was coming from or which way it was going. So I just remember clutching the wheel and not, and just knowing to just keep the boat, you know, afloat. And now I've learned that you should sail straight into the wind during a squall or so I've been told by more seasoned and saltier sailors uh, when we yeah. told them the story. At the time, though, when I was, you know, driving, when I was sailing, I just felt like I was just trying to keep it in sure. control. <laughs> yeah. So um, when you finally, you know, get out of it, uh, it's it, it feels amazing, the relief that washes over you, you know. And so actually, though, what happened to us is once we got out of it after you know, going in different directions and just trying to keep it under control and checking the GPS, but then the GPS fried because too much water got on it. And so then we had no GPS and finally getting out of it and seeing another storm behind the boat. And then finally getting some service because we were just trying to make it to the land that we could see in the distance, which was the island of Eleuthera uh, in the Bahamas. And finally getting one bar of service to make a phone call and calling uh, another sailor and asking him what was going on. And he looked at the weather for us and said that there was an, a chain just like very common in, at least in the Bahamas. So we've learned that they get uh, little squalls, uh, thunderstorms, high winds, you know, things like that. And so there was uh, just a chain going through a chain of them going sure. up, hitting, hitting up, hitting the, what is that? The North, eastern side of the Bahamas just kind of traveling along there and then dissipating but we got stuck in that um and then we finally made it out we you know and we didn't get hit by a second one and like I said that relief and honestly just the euphoria and just that sangria tasted so good that night <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it tasted so much better than it did three days before so it just uh it's so humbling and I wouldn't want to do that again, but I think that as a person and having that, I don't regret the experience either. And I'm glad that I had it, even though I wouldn't do it yeah. over. <laughs> well, I think, I think those experiences, um, also build your level of confidence in being able to deal with, uh, unanticipated events when they come, right. Even though if it may not be exactly the same unanticipated event, you you you've learned from that about okay how to handle things under stress what to do if this happens etc so totally agree um and it's almost like training in the in the worst yeah, possible yeah. Training. but it's like now you're no, you know i'm that much better if anything were to happen again knock on wood <laughs> right right as you were telling that story my, my question what i was going to ask you was about if you had radar or not because it's amazing on a full moon night how well you can see out at sea. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. On a, on a cloudy night, how dark it is. You can't see You can't anything. see anything. <laughs> yeah. So if, if there's no lightning, All if it's just a squall with no lightning, you don't even know it's coming until it's on exactly. top of you. Exactly. 
And yeah. sometimes all you see is like way off in the distance lightning, but you can't tell how close that is. Right. I mean, you can obviously see if it's right there, but if it's 20 miles, 100 miles, all you see is lightning. It's very nerve wracking. You're like, oh, yes. there's lightning out there. <laughs> wow. Right. Is that which way is that going? How how close is that? You know, so it's it is exactly. kind of scary. Um but just keeping an eye on everything. And sometimes there's storms that have, you know, very little wind. So it just all, right. it's kind of hard to tell. There, it, there's just rain, you know, just rain and that's it. And it's just rain and it's yeah. a dark cloud of rain, but it can't always tell. Sometimes it's, you can tell though, but once you see it, then you know. <laughs> yeah. Once well, you're in it, great, then you know. Yeah. That was a great story. So let's, let's dive a little bit into music. So tell me about your music career and all of that stuff. Yeah. So I, about the same time I went to work on a cruise ship, I, I think I hit, uh, I, I don't think people have midlife crises. I think that people have epiphanies at many moments in their lives. I think that in many different, uh, crossroads, you're, you realize that you're not doing what you want to be doing and you want to be doing something different. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, find, I, I hit one of those and I, a cry, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I realized I, I love my parents, but I had been subconsciously or uh, pushed in a direction without realizing that it was me doing the pushing, but I was trying to please what I thought my parents wanted. And it wasn't what I wanted at all. And I was, I'm glad I went to college and it was great. And I, but I realized I said, okay, well, I'm finishing this degree, but I don't want to use it because yeah. it's fascinating, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to be, and my degree was in psychology. And so I thought, I realized I was like, wait a minute. I don't like to listen. I like to talk. <laughs> yeah. But I, well, here's, I, I will say that your psychology degree helped you figure this out. Yeah, probably. I definitely think that psychology degree is one of the most versatile degrees. Like it helps. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's just knowledge, you know, it's very interesting for all walks of life for your relationships and music, even in it, et cetera, and sailing. And it helps you with so many things. So I definitely am glad I got it. And I realized that this isn't what I want to do at all. I don't want to be a therapist. It's a great job, but it's not for me. I don't like paperwork. I don't like desks. <laughs> uh, and so I Really, I secretly had always wanted to be a, a singer, a lead singer mm -hmm. of a band. When I was a child, I said, um, I want to be the lead. I want to be Britney Spears. I want to be a lead singer of a band. And I sang like every singer. I grew up singing every single day of my life. And at some point I realized that this is, I don't have to be scared to tell people this is what I want because I think I was holding back always just like mm -hmm. with sailing. When you tell people, you know, oh, I'm going to do this. Sometimes people like my mom used to kind of, my parents would laugh because it is kind of crazy and out there. Oh, sure, honey, use your college money to buy a boat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and there, it doesn't, you know, it's what you want though inside that matters. It's in your heart. And, you know, and so it's a little scary to tell people that what your real dreams are. And I think it's important to go for it anyways, and to do it. And so finally I realized that it was important to do it, even though I was scared. And so I went and auditioned for The Voice of Germany. I was living in oh, Germany wow. at the time. Wow. And I made it on the show. And unfortunately, I lost my voice. No. <laughs> I got laryngitis on the day of the blind auditions. Yeah. So, uh, but there's a lot of auditions that come before that. And it was, a, it was you know, a six-month-long process. Very, very fulfilling. And I thought, I love this. This is exactly what I want to be doing. Uh, I've always known this is what I want to do. And I need to start 
doing this. And I, so I, then I went to work on a cruise ship, realized that they, that's not the right path either. So then I thought, well, I'll just join my own band. So mm-hmm. I uh, joined a jazz band in St. Thomas and we started playing and I, and I loved it. And then I started writing my own music uh, on the side, but again, that fear can really hold you back for, for a while. So I had had songs since I was 15, but I never showed anybody. So I was always that, that it's not a, a fear like that, like a, like a storm type of like mm-hmm. hitting a squall. It's a different kind of fear. It's a, yes. it's a, Oh, I don't really want that type of a fear. It's uh, Oh, what will people think? Oh, it's not realistic. Oh, who are you kidding? The, that negative voice. That's the fear. It's that negative yes. voice in the back of your head. Oh, your songs aren't any good. And so then you finally, I guess, don't listen to the voice <laughs> and uh, do it. And so that's what I realized. And it, it took a, you know, going through college and trying out different things. Oh, a teacher. No, I don't like that. Okay. Maybe a psychologist. No, I don't like that. Uh, I really just wanted to do what I want to do and that's play music and come out with my songs and sing and perform. So I started performing and I never stopped after I, I was performing uh, on the side during my, in college though, throughout, I was doing open mics all the time Mm -hmm. at talent shows. Um, I did a couple of plays uh, acting and musicals and things. And then I finally like realized that people always thought it was just a hobby and I didn't want it to be. Yeah. But I pretended, I pretended. And so I finally decided to perform for money <laughs> instead of just a hobby. Um, so, yeah, that is where I'm at. And continuing to come out with music, I'm coming out with my fifth single. Uh, this one wow. is called Spring Breeze. I mean, uh, sorry, uh, Spring Rain. I was just going to say my last single was called Ocean Breeze. So I totally just crossed the titles over. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so Spring Rain comes out January 7th, and I'm hoping to release an EP this spring, um, trying to get some shows in Key West. And, uh, yeah, that's I record music on the on the boat, and I love it. <laughs> wow, that's fabulous. So uh, we've been talking for almost 40 minutes here, so uh, I'm going to start wrapping it up. So if people want to learn more about your music, uh, where do they go? How do they find out? Uh huh. So uh, I have a link tree, which will lead to everything. Um, it's so actually that's a harder address to explain. So let me let me think of an easier way. So an easier thing is to look me up on Instagram or Facebook, and then the link tree will be in the about or the bio section, and you can click on that, and it'll go to all my different links. So my Instagram is underscore Shay Love, um, or you could maybe just type in Shay Love and mm-hmm. look for me. Uh, and my Facebook again is Shay Love. Uh, Love is my middle name. It's my stage name. And uh, and then if you want to look up Shay Love on Spotify, uh, my last single was Ocean Breeze. So if you type in Shay oh, okay. Love, Ocean Breeze, cool. um, or any other platform that you listen to music on. I just know Spotify is the most popular, but YouTube or Amazon, um, wherever you like to listen to music, uh, just look it up. And again, Perfect. if you find my Facebook or Instagram uh, and click on the link in the bio, then you can get all those other links as well. Yeah, I will make sure uh, you sent me that uh, link tree um, in yes, the email exchange, it. and I will make sure that gets into the show notes. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yes. So if you yeah. click on that link tree, it leads to all the different things. Yeah, super, super. So uh, 
is there anything that I haven't asked you or we haven't talked about that you want to kind of share before we sign off here? Um, no, I think I think that's good. Uh, again, keep an eye out for my EP. Hopefully, I'll I, my goal is to go on tour this summer. So if you follow me, then you'll get all that information. Super. Well, uh, thank you very much for being a guest on the show. Uh, you were wonderful. I really enjoyed our conversation. And uh, maybe our paths will cross uh, this summer uh, if you come up to New England. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be awesome. I'll keep an eye out for you. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Shay. It was great talking to you, and thank you for having me. Bela, what an uh, interesting person and a great story. And, you know, I think I think we finally found somebody who's the exact opposite of you on most dimensions. Okay? I'm not <laughs> sure about that. But very different upbringing, right, and very different approach to the world than you are, but equally as interesting. So I'm curious, to, what's your takeaway here, especially kind of for young people, in your opinion? Because I thought that this was a great story. I mean, great story for everybody, but really interesting for young people trying to figure out their their next steps in life. Yeah, well, we're but we might have very different backgrounds, but we're both sailors. <laughs> exactly. Common thread. Yeah, yeah, common thread. Although I will say one of the things that she did and, and we she, her, she was from a military family, which means they moved around every three years. And I will tell you that when I was in sixth grade, it was my fifth different school district I had been, lived in. So there was an early part of my father's career when we first came to this country where we moved around a lot. And he did that for betterment of his career, right? Because, you know, we came here with nothing. And um, so we moved around a lot. So I did have that, com I did have that commonality with her. And I I've often thought about this because it, it it nurtured me in a way that I do, I did not hold on to things in the past. So I was, I was, I was, I learned maybe hard, hard way that looking forward is a much more exciting thing for me as a kid growing up than trying to look backwards and hold on to things because I knew those things that I currently had today, the friends or the acquaintances or the house we lived in at some point in time, chances are is going to be gone and I was going to have to explore something new. And it gave me that sort of gene <laughs> or wonderlust, right. That, that I, that I enjoy. And, and if you look at my career, right, I've done a lot of different things. I haven't done the same thing for 30 or 40 years. Um, so I do say we do have that one thing in common. Um, and, and I, it's also an interesting contrast to, to Elaine, my, my wife, who grew up in the same house that she was almost, you know, she was almost born and grew up in the same house. <laughs> she lived in two different houses her whole life growing up. And her father worked for the same company her whole life. And, and we often talk about the differences of how we think about things and this notion of, you know, how we hold on to various different things. And we, and, and we value things interestingly differently, right? Uh, Elaine once said this really interesting thing. She said, you know, one of the great things about our relationship is that if we had to write down the 10 things that are really, really important to us on a piece of paper, if we compared those two pieces of paper with each other after we wrote them down, we would have the same 10 things on the list, but the order would be slightly different. Right? That's cool. And, and so anyway, you, you got me going on try a slight. That with Sandy. I, I think, I think it'd be about the same. I mean, we've been, We've been together for 30 years, right? Almost. So yeah. it's like, okay, 
I, I think that we're, you know, the, the, those 10 things would be all there, but I agree. I think ours would be in a slightly different order. It's a yeah. good test for everybody. Well, I don't know. We don't want to ruin any relationship. <laughs> I think it's kind of an interesting, interesting ex thought experiment, at least. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So what, a couple of things that I thought were, were interesting, this notion of taking the first step, right? Of, you know what? We just got to do it. And, and there's been other people on this podcast, other guests that we've had, had said, you know, the, the first step is the hardest. And once you take that first step of saying, okay, we're going to do this, and then you do the, the first thing that's necessary to start in that direction, the second step's easier. The third step's even easier. And before you know it, you're along, along the way. And, and I think this notion of sailing, I think it's just a great way of traveling. If you want to see the world, it's just, it's just a remarkable way to do it and, and to have this great connection with nature and, and sort of the world. And it's very, and I've gone into, I've gone to various different places and I've been there by car. You know, if you drive there, you get a certain view of it. If you go there by an airplane, you get a totally different view. If you have a window seat and you get a chance to look out and, and it's not cloudy. Right. And if you go there by boat, it's, it's even more astonishing way to kind of approach a city and to sort of look at it. Right. And it's totally different than driving down, you know, an interstate and driving into the city. Um, so I just, I just think it's a great way of traveling and, and taking that first step and diving it head first and doing it. And that, that would be, that would be the thing that I would say. And look, everybody doesn't have to say, I'm going to sail around the world. A, a lot of people have that dream. Very few people do it. Uh, I think, I think somebody once said there's, there's more people who have summited Everest than have, you know, solo sailed around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, that doesn't mean you have to sail around the world, but just do what, what I do, right? Sailing around the coast or sailing around the lake. It's just, it, it, there's this exploring aspect to it, which really connects with me. I don't know. What do you, what did you think, Mike? Yeah, no, I agree with everything you're saying. And even, you know, okay, we can sit here and say, okay, we're two fairly well-off old white guys. Um, and there is a high cost of entry to sailing in the sense that what the way you do it, right, to buy a boat and to have a slip at the right. marina and to right. pay for fuel and so on and so forth. But I, I liked what Chase said, too. I went and got a job. You know what I mean, right? I just I just started working. And so even if you don't have a lot of money and you're just starting out and you think you might be interested in this, right? right? It's actually a low cost of entry in terms of, yeah, there's plenty of ways to go and, and right, you have to learn a little bit about sailing and you can take some inexpensive courses and you can, right, there's some clubs, neighborhood clubs and things like this you can get involved with. But, you know, right, once you have the basics, you can get a job and get paid to do it. Not a lot of money in most cases, but right. you can at least get your foot in the water, in the water, so to speak, or dip your toe in the water. But I do. I like how she approached this. I like and I also liked one thing that in terms of the environmental footprint of sailing, and I thought that was really interesting comparing the cruise ships and the and the yeah. and the sailing, right? Even bigger sailing ships, right? There's a just a difference in the resources consumed. Um, but and I liked she was pretty careful not to totally trash, you know, th these big cruise ships because obviously many and I, I can't speak because I've never been on one in, in my whole life, but that many people do this, right? And it's a big industry. Um, you know, but I do think people should think about their 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 footprint and um and i like how that fit into her calculus but then i like this whole other part of her career and how there's this, this person that has multiple passions and she kind of found this way to make them fit together i thought this yes. was really really cool right and thinking a little bit creatively and trying to say oh people said this was i could never do this and she found a creative way to make it work 
I love that, right? I love this open mind and this creativity. And she tested and experimented, right? This is something that we encourage entrepreneurs to do, right? Test your business model. If you think about this as a, you know, our side gig is entrepreneurial podcast hosts, right? Or entrepreneurial teachers, right? And coaches. This is what we encourage people to do. Develop a right. unique business model. Test it. Refine it. Pivot when you need to, right? She's had a couple of pivots, right? And she's made a, a nice life right where she yep. wants to be, right? She's combined these things together to to be put herself in a position that at least at this point in her life, right? And she's still pretty young. She's exactly where she wants to be. And she did it through creativity and hard work and some luck. I get it, right? But, and, you know, started off probably with some privilege. I get it, right? But she really did this her, on her own. And she did it the hard way in a lot of ways, right? Really cool yeah. story. Yeah. You know, what? when you were talking about sort of the environmental impact, it, it reminded me of when I was... Uh, crewing on a boat that we sailed from uh, from Halifax, Nova Scotia, down to Baltimore. And so I was, I was, you know, I was a crew person with a, on a friend's boat. I was the third person on the boat. And so a couple on the boat. And I, I can remember, you know, we'd prepare meals, and I would offer to do the dishes. And they said, no, no, that's okay, we'll do them. No, no, I want to help. No, 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 we'll do them. And after, like, the second day of that, I said, like, how comes you don't want me to do the dishes? <laughs> and it very nicely said, because people who live on land waste a ton of water. And we only have 175 gallons. <laughs> you know, and then it, it, it dawned on me, right? So when you're on a boat, you get very conscious about resources. Every drop counts. Every drop counts. And, and, and then they explained they never let guests or crew wash dishes because we, we turn the faucet on at home and water's running all the time, right? You can't do it that way, man. You know, you got to save water. So I think that's the other great thing about, about when you're sort of disconnected from the grid, so to speak. And by the grid, not just the electricity, but the water, the sewer, sure. all of those things, right, that we take for advantage. You really tune into that stuff. And, and, and you, you really start to value that resource and, and be very conscious about not using it efficiently. Right. So. Agreed. Yeah. Any Agreed. other takeaways for you, Mike? No, just, you know, takes, don't be afraid to take some risks if you're in a position to do that, like she was and keep your eyes open and your mind open and meet people and, and figure out a way to, to accomplish your, your goals. I mean, I guess set some goals first, right? She had some goals in mind and then find a way to do it. But I think this is a really nice story um, for young people to hear that might not be in a traditional career path or might not, right, have traditional training, right, or whatever, is is find a way to put yourself in a position to be in the place you want to be at the time you want to be in. Um, and, and, and good things will happen, you know? I agree. Yeah, I agree, Mike. Cool stuff. All right, well, my watch says, my watch says it's probably time we should wrap things up, you know? Sounds so, good. Let's wrap it up. All right, listeners, thanks for joining us for another episode. We hope you found our conversation with Shay Love interesting and thought-provoking. And as always, if you have questions about what we just discussed, please get in touch with us. Our email is sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. Hey, and if you joined the podcast, hit that follow button on your favorite podcasting app and tell your friends about it. And if you know someone that would be a good guest for the show, reach out to us and let us know. We would welcome the opportunity to have a conversation with them. So hope to see you out there on the water 
Spring is around the corner. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you all soon. Sounds great, Bela, from over here in Münster, Germany. We'll see you next time.